some scriptures for you up on the screen. We're in Luke this morning, Luke chapter 11. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to be here last week, maybe out of town traveling or whatever, uh, we started out the new year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it's something we've never done before as a church. And uh, I'm already having a great time uh, hearing uh, just things I've seen change in me, uh, things that I'm hearing from people in response to, to prayer. Uh, we're, we're partnering with our larger church family, uh, the Foursquare Church, around the world in some 70 countries, uh, a few million people. Uh, and in uh, fact, uh, there are some, by the way, churches in Iran and Iraq, which uh, as we're praying and fasting, you might want to think of those uh, individuals who are doing outreaches and missions in those countries right now. American citizens are a little vulnerable as a result of the killing of Iran's uh, military leader. So please be lifting them up in prayer. Uh, of course, the whole world is vulnerable. It has been for years regard to what's happening in the Middle East and uh, now around the world. So uh, just lifting them up in prayer. The whole idea of prayer and fasting is for us to be a little more intense, a little more intentional, a little more focused uh, with, with our prayer life. When you skip a meal in the morning to pray and to fast, you have a few hunger pangs. And, you know, there's that focus, that intentional uh, desire to, to be, <clears throat> be praying. Uh, if you fast for 24 hours, of course, that's a little longer. Fasting is, of course, totally up to you. Uh, some of us are fasting uh, uh, social media. For me, it's, it's Sports Center at 9 o'clock with Scott Van Pelt. Uh, it's just a bad habit. I mean, I just turn it on and I go to my nothing box in my brain and uh, I just watch sports highlights and I love it, by the way. I'm just putting that aside and I've loved the reading I've been doing. I'm reading a couple of different Old Testament books and got another book I'm reading. And so it's a, it's a type, there are different ways to fast, to be intentional, to press in. Um, Jeremiah 29, verse 13, this is a great verse. Uh, this is what the Lord says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with uh, my, your whole heart. Let me read it again. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. There's something about fasting for me when it's food or anything, giving up time, whatever I'm giving up. In, when I intentionally set myself to seek the Lord, there's something about it that helps me be more wholehearted in my seeking him and giving him more of my heart. And that's what I'm trying to do uh, this 21 days 
of prayer and fasting. And so I've appreciated a few of you that have made comments uh, just how it's affecting you. And I've already seen a, a I've already seen it in my own life, just a, a, a spiritual blessing. Some of us are praying for direction and guidance. Some of us are praying for healing, uh, emotionally, physical healing. Some of us are, are, are praying for relationships, maybe for children, uh, whether that's grandchildren or your own adult children. Well, we're believing God to do some great things for this season as we partner together as a church and with churches uh, around the world. And uh, last week we mentioned we have a devotional guide. If you're interested, our denomination put one together. You can get a hard copy out of the Welcome Center. Uh, you can download an app if you'd like on your phone like I did. I just went to Google Play and uh, downloaded uh, the Foursquare app. When I put up, I typed in Foursquare. When I put that in, uh, about the third or fourth app on their list came up, the Foursquare Church. It's a little round circle that's got a cross and a... Uh, a crown and a dove for the Holy Spirit. It refers to Jesus Christ as Savior, baptizer with the Holy Spirit, healer of our, our diseases, and soon coming king. And uh, all four of those little emblems are on the front of it. Anyway, I got that on my phone right on page one. Hit that. And I get 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there I got day five. Talks about those who are 65 years old and older. Uh, it, you know that in 10 years, one out of every five people in America will be 65 or older? Be the largest generation ever to be 65 here in America. One out of every five people. There's a huge opportunity for evangelism to older people. A lot of what we'll be praying about over this uh, uh, next season will just be outreach to our community. One of the things I'm praying is that God would just open our eyes to see the harvest. How many know there's a harvest all around us? Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And pray that the Lord raise up laborers for the harvest. And, you know, it's so easy to just get in your system, in your routine, and not see what God wants to do in the world around us. So we're, we're praying for those kinds of things. And one of the ways to just give you some fresh insight or a fresh perspective on how to view the world will be those devotions that uh, the Foursquare Church is offering for us to, to look at through different pastors and leaders in our church family. So that's available. If you'd like to do that and uh, for a few weeks here, we'll be talking about prayer as well. So I'm going to do that again this morning in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Uh, title of this morning's message, How Should We Pray? I'll begin reading verse 1, read down through verse 13. It says, uh, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Obviously, they saw the miracles that Jesus did, uh, raising the dead, opening blind eyes. They wanted to, they wanted, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I, I want to I see what you're doing happen in me and through my life. Teach us how to pray. Uh, just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, then he said to them, suppose uh, one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, uh, lend me three loaves of bread. Apparently, Walmart wasn't open or, uh, you know, Circle K, 
uh, <clears throat> because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Uh, then the one in, uh, inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are with me in bed. You're thinking, what is that all about? Well, little smaller houses back then, by the way. Uh, about the size of your dining room would be probably a house when Jesus was alive. So people are cramped together a little bit. Uh, I can't get up and, and give you anything. I tell you, uh, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, uh, yet because of the man's boldness, uh, he will get up and and give he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Will you say with me, be bold. Be bold. Be bold when you pray. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or if you then, who are evil, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I've noticed that about you. <clears throat> if, if you then, who are evil, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How many believe God answers prayer? Yeah. One of my favorite stories, sorry for those who have heard it, but it's a story of a woman named Ellen, and uh, she lives in Montana, um, attends one of the four square churches up there. Uh, one morning after Sunday service, she saw this uh, gentleman about her age uh, in the back of the church all by himself, and she knew what it was like to feel lonely at church because she was single, and so she decided to go up, just be friendly, introduce herself. So she walked up and said, hi, my name is Ellen. And he just looked at her, kind of stunned. And then he just turned quickly and walked out of the sanctuary. Ellen thought, what did I do to offend him? Next Sunday, she was on the greeter team, you know, out in the foyer, and uh, people are coming in. This man walks up to her. This time, he's got a smile on his face, thankful, and he said, Ellen, I want to apologize for my rude behavior uh, last week, my name is Bob, and they were, you know, cordial, and he said, you know, my, my wife's name was Ellen. Uh, she died three years ago from cancer. He said, when you came up to me last Sunday and introduced yourself, I had just finished praying, Lord, I think I'm ready for another relationship. Please send another Ellen into my life. And when you walked up and said, hi, my name is Ellen, I was a little taken back by that. And um, believe it or not, Bob and Ellen got married. About a year later, true story, they're part of a, uh, a, a four-square church in Montana. I believe God answers prayer. Maybe not as fast as Bob's, okay? <laughs> That's a fast one. But he does know our needs before we ask, so... Uh, I, I, I love that. Do, do you see how Jesus urged us to pray here in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10? Jesus said, ask. There's passion here. Ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, uh, the door will be opened. You know... There's a lot of barriers uh, for us when it comes to, to praying, and 
one of the barriers is, I don't know about you, in my life, I'm in such a hurry, I just don't want to make the time. I don't want to slow down and pray. Anyone? Okay, it just, we're in such a hurry. We live in a culture of hurry. Okay, we've got the internet, we've got cell phones, we don't want to take time. What we want, we want instant success. We don't want to pray and let God work it out. We want to fix it ourselves. We want instant success. We want instant satisfaction. God's nature, I'm going to invite you to write this down. God's nature is to be patient. Did you know that? God's nature is, is to be patient. In fact, if you look at how God works throughout history, he is so patient, and I'm so not patient. God is so patient. I mean, he gives a promise that, that, that he's going to send a, a Messiah, a Savior, in Genesis chapter 3. Remember that story? You know, Satan will strike your heel. He will crush Satan's head. Remember that story? He makes that promise, and then by Genesis 6, He's so frustrated with human beings. He said he's grieved that he made man. And, and, and so what does he do? He calls a guy named Noah to build a boat. He's going to save all the animals. It takes him a hundred years. Can you imagine that? It took him a hundred years. And during that time, everyone who came and saw this boat being, how'd you like to have a boat as big as this building in your front yard? Kind of draws attention to what you're doing. You know, everyone who came, no one got saved. He preached the gospel. He warned people that a flood was coming. No one got in the boat with him. Several hundred years after that, raises up a man named Abraham. The guy's 75, been trying all his life to have kids with his wife, and they haven't had any kids, but he had a desire. And, and, and God said, I'm going to fulfill your dream. In fact, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your child through, through, through your child, all, all, the, all the nations in the world are going to be blessed. And then it takes 25 years until his wife gets pregnant. During that whole time, he's teaching him to trust and to have faith. Tell you what, God is patient, isn't he? From that time forward, 2,000 years until Jesus came, he raises up this nation, doesn't know beans from buckshot. Have you ever read the Old Testament? These guys were a mess. God was so patient. 2,000 years later, Jesus is born. Have you ever thought about how patient God is in his working in the life of mankind? He's so patient. He's so unlike us. I'm so impatient. In fact, when people are talking, I want to finish their sentences, don't you? You're ahead of them, and you're thinking, we can get this over quicker, and you're just wanting to finish. I took my, I didn't take, but I was at Home Depot Saturday, and our grandson was there. And I don't know if you, first Saturday of the month, they have, uh, have these little projects where kids can come in and build things. You know, they're training them young to be do-it-yourselfers. And uh, so he was building a, uh, he's building a little hockey stadium. Stadium. It's this big, not a stadium. Uh, but anyway, they got the nails there and the wood there and the paint there. And they, they put this all together. There's a little pattern they're building. It. And then uh, our, our grandson, Ashton, he was painting it. And he's such a perfectionist. And he was being so careful to paint it so perfect. I just wanted to grab the paint and you know, get that thing done. I got things to do today. You know? I'm, I'm so impatient. Okay, you, you want to understand God's patience? Think about Jesus, God, becoming a man. Spending nine months in a womb. 
This is the God who spoke, let there be light, and there's a universe out there. You know what I'm saying? This is God. And he spends nine months swimming around in a... You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know? And And then he had to learn to walk. And then he had to learn to talk. You ever watch your grandkids try to form a sentence, put the words together? Jesus had to learn how to think. He was God, but he had to learn how to think. It says in in Luke 6, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. He had to grow. He had to develop. You know, he's he's a teenager sitting through a million services in the synagogue, and he's thinking, these guys don't know beans from buckshot, you know. But he sat through all those sermons. He's amazing. When he's in his 20s, when you're in your 20s, you want to go out and conquer the world. Let's get her done. And, and he didn't. He waited till he was 30 before he started his ministry. God is patient. And it took him more than a year before he chose his disciples. God is so much more patient than we are. And sometimes just the whole patience of prayer, we just don't want to wait. We just want to do it ourselves without God's help. And we miss out. The Bible says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And a lot of the sorrow in our life is the fact that we don't wait on God. We don't look to God for guidance and direction in our life. We try to, we try to do it our, ourself. Here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Aren't you thankful that God is patient? He waited for you to get saved. Aren't you thankful for that? If I was him, I would have nuked the place a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm so impatient. So impatient. I love the songs we sang this morning because they really, they really did illustrate some of the things I'll say. One of them is when we're waiting, God is working. How many believe that's true? When we're waiting, God is working. God's delays are not always his denials. Okay. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has a right time for everything. God has a right time for everything. For every person. Every circumstance. Isaiah 60 verse 22 says, I am the Lord, and when it's time, I will make these things happen quickly. See, God's mission is unhurried and unstoppable. That's what we need to understand. God's mission is unhurried and unstoppable. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's mission is unhurried and it's unstoppable. I'm so thankful for that. And yet we are in such a hurry, we don't understand the significance of the time it takes to pray. A second reason why we don't pray is we're just lazy. Okay, let's just call a spade a spade. We're lazy. We really are. Prayer takes work. I mean, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but it's true. Prayer takes work, and we don't want to put in the work. It it takes work. You remember the night before Jesus was crucified uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went off to pray by himself, and he took Peter, James, and John, his three best friends, took his three best friends with him, and he said, here, wait while I, 
He needed some time alone with the Father. He said, wait here and pray for me as I go to talk to the Father. Jesus, he's God. He's asking for prayer from his friends. That's interesting to me. Wait here and pray for me while I go and pray. He goes and prays. Remember, he bleeds drops of blood. Father, not my will, but yours be done, all that. Comes back. Matthew 26, verse 40 through 41. All the guys are asleep. Remember the story? And he says, couldn't you men, you should underline that in your Bible if you're a man. Couldn't you men keep watch for one hour? Couldn't you pray for an hour? Couldn't you pray for an hour? Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. We're so weak when it comes to prayer. I mean, five, ten minutes and we're done. We just want to move on. We're so impatient. We don't know how to pray and, and spend time in the labor of prayer, giving birth to... Ladies, you have it over us so much. You're awesome. You are. I mean, a man wouldn't have any clue what it takes to, to become pregnant and for nine months and then finally deliver that baby. I mean, that is a journey. But can I tell you, God puts things in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. He conceives in you the dream of what he wants to do. It's this little glimpse of the future. It's this little thought. He plants it in your spirit. And then he wants you to labor and give birth to it through prayer. I just wonder sometimes how many things would God love to do, but we're just not willing to, to, to do the labor in prayer. I'm not being critical. I'm preaching to me here. It's just I realize I don't want to take the time and I don't want to put in the energy uh, to, to pray. And yet God wants to give birth to things through my life. And because of that, I need to learn to pray. A third reason why I think we don't pray sometimes is we just don't understand the value God places on our life that we're his sons, and, and that we're, we're his daughters. I mean, I love uh, the picture in Genesis 18 where God revealed to Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Does anyone remember that story? He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, Lord, uh, would you kill the righteous with the wicked? Now, Abraham has a little bit of an investment in Sodom. Remember, his nephew lived there. So he was concerned for his nephew. Would you kill the righteous with the wicked? And, and the Lord, no, he's the creator of the universe. And, and, and Abraham is bold. Be bold. Abraham is bold enough to say, if there were 50 righteous, would you, would you save the city? And God says, it's like God changes his mind. He says, for 50, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. And then, then he gets really bold. What about 40? <laughs> if, if, if there were 40 righteous, would you save the city? And God says, 40 righteous, I'll save the city. Now he gets real nervous and says, what about 30? <laughs> if, if there were 30 righteous, would you save the city? And God says, okay, 30, I'll save. He says, I know I'm a fool. I'm talking to God as a fool. For 20, would you save the city? Okay, for 20, I'll save the city. And he gets down to 10. There are 10 righteous. Would you save the city? I love that story because you see this intimate relationship with a man named Abraham. He's talking to God. Talking to God about 
the future, about history, about what God is going to do. He's literally changing God's mind almost. It's, a, it's an amazing story that, that illustrates how much God values you and how much he values me, how much he values our prayer, that God would change history because we're interceding. He places such great value on our life and we don't understand the value he places, how important our prayers are. God created us to have dominion over the earth. And he created us to rule and reign with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And part of his developing rulership over the earth is teaching you to pray. It's as you learn to pray and contend and believe. that You know, the Bible says that you're going to judge angels. And there's something of intimacy that God has, he created us in his image. And, and he's going to literally for eternity as he works in this universe or a new one, I don't know, you're going to be involved. You're going to lead. You're going to rule. And, and part of that's being developed now as you take on his heart and, and, and you learn how to pray. And so I just want you to think with me about how can I grow? How can I grow in prayer this year, Jesus said, uh, when you pray, say this, Father, okay? Pr prayer starts and flows out of relationship. Uh, God is our, our Father in heaven. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do every time you pray is to rest in God's love. Come to him as Father because it's such a safe and secure place. You don't have to have the right words. That trips us up a lot. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have religious sounding phrases to pray. Just crawl up into his lap and talk to your father in heaven. Max Lucado, uh, he said it this way. He said, prayer shouldn't be difficult. Uh, prayer is simply a heartfelt conversation between God and his child. Uh, resist the urge to complicate it. Uh, don't take pride in well-crafted prayers. Don't apologize for incoherent ones. Uh, just be honest, honest to God. Climb up into his lap and tell him everything that's going on. So Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. And that blew their mind. I mean, they had no idea that they'd have that kind of intimate relationship with God. A second thing Jesus said to pray is, hallowed be your name, or hallowed means holy. It's understanding that God is God. He is holy. And you know, I don't know if we understand that well in our culture. Now, I like the definition of the word holy as other. See, God is not like the world. He's not like human beings. His motives are pure. He is totally just. He's worthy of worship. He's almighty, all-powerful God. So uh, when, you, when you pray, uh, Father, holy is your name. And, and there's worship and, and praise that's involved in our prayer. Praise gets the focus off of me and onto God, off of what I can do and onto what God can do, which is there's nothing impossible with him. And that's why coming to God as father in love and security and coming to him as a holy God who's awesome and power and might. And uh, Number three, uh, prayer includes power. Uh, your kingdom come. Lord, I pray for your kingdom. Jesus came to overthrow the works of the devil. So one of the things we're doing when we're praying is we're confronting darkness. 
and we're praying for the overthrow of the kingdom of this world that's controlled by Satan. Uh, the overthrow, your kingdom come. And so we're contending and, and, and praying that the works of the enemy will be destroyed. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. I think that's interesting. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men. And can I put women in there? Violent mankind, men and women, take it by force. That verse was shared in the context of John the Baptist. And I want to tell you, he was not a wimp. He stood up against the corruption that was a part of uh, Israel's culture. And, and he took a stand. He called people to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. This idea of, of uh, violence, that there's a, there's a violence in prayer, contending for God's kingdom to come. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And, and when he said that, everything necessary to empower a change in control uh, on, on this earth was set in motion through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's that fight. We're contending and we're praying. Uh, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're wanting an overthrow of darkness. Uh, prayer also in includes provision. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus encouraged us to pray for the practical things in our life. And I, I just love to see all the little things that he does. Uh, sometimes it feels so insignificant. Uh, I, I wouldn't even pray. And yet he's constantly doing these things in my life, providing for me ahead of time things that I need. He's so faithful. Uh, another thing prayer includes is purity. Forgive us our sins. So there's this honest accountability before God, asking for forgiveness and uh, rededicating our life. And one of the things you can be sure of is he does forgive you. He says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I can be confident that I am forgiven when I come to him in prayer. Uh, prayer always includes people, uh, for we also forgive everyone else's sins uh, against us. And, you know, one of the things that keeps your heart right is if you, if you extend to other people the same mercy you ask God to give you, if you do that constantly, the same patience, the kindness, and the love, if you constantly extend that to other people, helps keep your heart right so that you could be sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the last one, uh, prayer includes protection. Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation. Uh, we want to ask God to protect and, and, and guide our life and keep us uh, from, from the enemy. And, and so I just want to encourage you, those five things, eight things, I don't know how many things there are there completely, they're, they're kind of a model for prayer. They're, they're not a prayer that we should have to pray, but they're a model for how to pray. And, you know, I don't go through that entire model every time I pray. I get up in the morning, I have a devotion time. I always spend time in prayer. Sharon and I pray together uh, for a variety of things going on. We, we don't cover that entire list, but that list is in the back of my mind. I mean, I'm aware of it. I'm aware that these things help me develop a relationship with God and help keep my relationship with God throughout the day, in the evening, wherever I go. These things that Jesus taught his disciples to pray are part of our everyday life as we're learning how to walk through life and pray without ceasing. And You know, I want to encourage you, uh, try to learn uh, as we're praying and fasting, tr try to carve out an extended time. Jesus challenged his disciples, could you not pray for an hour? 
I don't know what that sounds like to you, but uh, it's great to challenge ourselves. Maybe an hour would be way too long, but maybe a half hour. But learning how to challenge yourself, to wait on the Lord and seek Him. The, the best teacher in prayer is the Holy Spirit. And He will personally guide you and teach you how to pray. So uh, I'm going to set my stuff aside. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out. Let me finish with this one last verse. It's John 15, verse 16. Uh, Jesus said, and this is important for every one of us. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Let me read it again. Jesus, you weren't looking for me, but I was looking for you. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Jesus is the one that has called us into an intimate relationship with him. He wants us uh, to pray. We didn't choose him, but he chose us. And he's the one that's calling us into this uh, intimate life with God the creator. To be intercessors, to pray for things in our life. Things that he's deposited that he wants to give birth to. And, and things in our world. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And I've asked uh, Seth to lead us in that new song, Waymaker, here this morning. And, and uh, as we conclude with that, I, uh, I, I want to invite you to make it an intercession uh, here this morning as we conclude our service. God, these are things we're praying and interceding for you to do uh, in our lives this year.